This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Talksplode with Jason Aaron. Hey, this is Josh with iFanboy. This is another episode of Talksplode as unlocked by the iFanboy patrons. Well, thank you about that forever. There's nothing you can do about it. 
today I have uh, Jason Aaron with me. I have never actually done a long-form interview with Jason Aaron. I have uh, known him uh, since the start of his career in comics, which was somewhere around the start of our video show and all that stuff. But uh, I've never gotten a chance to really talk to him about comics, uh, sit down for a long time. And uh, he was uh, he was kind enough to give me some of his time to do so. So I hope you enjoy it. I am here with, uh, I'm going to say, with an old friend, with Jason Aaron. <laughs> it's been a long time. It has. And, and it's that sort of amount of time where time was compressed. So you just look and you go, wow, it's been a decade. Oops. How did that Has it been a decade <laughs> I, since I, I was on the show? I, I mean, never, it feels like. I've never done an audio show with you. These are sort of the longer form talks. We've talked on video. We've talked in real life. But Christ, I saw you the last time in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that has been a while. 14, 16. I mean, it's, it was a while back. Um, yeah. I mean, granted, to me, everything feels like it was at least 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this literally was a long well, time what's ago. What's interesting is that I was sort of looking at, you know, when you got started uh, in, in comics and, uh, you know, other side and and um and scalped weren't as far back as i thought i think i thought those that was early 2000 stuff but you know it was 2006 2007 yeah 2006 <laughs> didn't you didn't you interview me oh yeah like qu- qu- interview in quotes like connor t- 2005 2006 I think like it around? was it would have been six maybe yeah connor did and we basically shoved Connor. you both in front of a camera, and neither of you knew what to do or what to talk about. <laughs> I, that's probably that's probably literally my first yeah. interview ever, right? Yeah, I mean, the great the great unseen, you know, will never be seen by anyone. It was it was not. I can't remember if we actually cut it or not. I think we might have, just because it was like we've all done poorly here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think a big well, part of that was that we shoved. Connor in to do it, and he's it might have been his first too. I don't know. There was the, these were the renegade days. Um, <laughs> well, we all recovered nicely from yeah, that. Yeah, it's working out. We eventually got our shit together. <laughs> it's, Somewhat, you, you can say that. Um, <laughs> uh, so take take me. We we were before we got started. We were talking about sort of the first comics you read, and um, like where when did comics sort of become part of your life? When did they get to you? Well, I've got the the very first comic I read. It's sitting on my desk right now. I had pulled it out recently because, you know, I'm doing DC stuff now for the first time. The first thing I'm doing is a Batman book. The second thing I've got signed to do is a, uh, some issues on action comics. So the first comic I ever read was issue of World's Finest, you know, with Superman and Batman on the cover. Um, it's number 258. From 1979, so I would have been six years old when this came out. Did you get it um, new, or was it? Because we used, to, I feel like we always used to get boxes of old comics that would just show up in places. Yeah, I, th- I think I did. I don't remember exactly how I got it. Sure. Um, I've got two issues of World's Finest from around that period. Um, so it was, I mean, it was not until like a, you know three, four years later to where I was like buying comics constantly off the spinner rack. So it took a, took a few years before I, you know, became like a rabid fan. But, um, this is definitely like the first, first one I ever had. The cover has fallen off. Like it's been read 
read and reread so many times. And it was a great first issue in that it's one of those big fat dollar comic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got Green Arrow story, Hawkman, Shazam, oh, wow. you know, Superman, Batman, Black Lightning. Um, so it was a great like entry point into like here's you know a whole universe of of characters. Um, so I had to put like a little shout out, a little nod to it in my at first action comics issue, just as you know, like what a wild way to kind of come full circle now, all these years later, where I'm writing Batman and Superman. Did you like? Do you th- like when you're working on comics? Like, do you think of the stuff that happened in that? Do you think that still influences you? I, I mean, maybe not in this specific issue, but I mean, I definitely, they're, you know, kind of like hallmarks in my mind that I hearken back to a lot. I think, you know, I think probably with any writer, there's the things that are just like formative, whether it's not just this movie, but this beat in that movie, right. you know, or or whatever. So I think with comics, yeah, there's a lot of those books for me. I mean, when I, when I, did kind of become a big fan and started going to the, the spinner rack regularly. It was, it's pretty much all DC stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but new teen Titans was one of the first books where I, I don't remember what issue number it was on um, at that point, but I definitely, that was the first book where I was like, Oh, I got to go back and get all the ones that I had missed. Oh. Um, and so I started trying to do that. I mean, it'd be it, it, that would take me a while because it'd be a few more years before I would set foot in like an actual comic book store. Um, but Titans, you know, a book like Atari Force, which launched right around that same time, so it was a you know a number one issue that I could pull off the the rack. And um, Blue Devil was another one that started around then that was that I loved. Um, and then of course, you know, like. Crisis came along, and I I was already a big Wolfman Perez fan, so it was perfect timing for that. And then all those books that kind of came after that. So, you know, the Batman stuff, the John Byrne Superman, Perez Wonder Woman, like I was I was all over all of that. Do you cons- – in, in your mind are sort of those versions of the characters the way that – like the like, <laughs> like the way that you see those characters to this day? Because there's still a little bit of that with me. For sure. I think, you know, and I mean, say what you want about John Byrne, about his, so much of his work was very formative for me. I, I, I think his Superman did imprint on me in some way. I and mean, I think some of that is maybe not the best way. Like I, there's some stuff I'd look back now at his Superman that I disagree with, but I think that still kind of set the benchmark for me in, in, in a, in a big way at, you know, at that time. And I mean, cause I mean, the, with, with Superman, you also had the, the movies that were a big part of it. You know, I remember seeing that Superman one and two. Well, I remember seeing Superman four in the theater, you know, yep. I, I saw them all in the theater. Um, and the, of course the super friends and then the superpowers, like I was all over that. Um, so yeah, I think all that stuff mixed together to kind of, um, to find those characters for me in some way forever, just like the teen, you know, the Teen Titans. I love the 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 um, Tom Taylor book that's coming coming out now, mm-hmm. and I haven't always been able to enjoy the the Teen Titans books over the years because to me they're just they're just that that those versions of the characters mm-hmm. from that original series, um, or those original two series, um, and it's hard for me to to see them as anything other than that, you know? 
Well, I, yeah, I think that's one of Tom's sort of strengths is that he probably similar generationally, like his his way that he goes after a lot of these characters is sort of deepening the character of them. And a lot of that sort of stems from then. And so it, I, <laughs> I've found that people around your age, my age are, are like, it's very resonant. It's just, it's just sort of hitting it in just the right way. But I felt the same way. Yeah, about that. it's it's hard to do. I mean, it's hard. I think Tom's done a great job. I would also look at something like Gerard Way's run on Doom Patrol, and you know, I'm such a huge fan of of Grant Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol, and always thought like, how do you how do you do that again? Right? Like, aren't those? I mean, how do you take what he did and, and build on it? And Gerard did a really great job of that. Of sort of clearly heavily influenced by that stuff but also kind of taking it forward in a way that was exciting so i hats off to to creators who are able to you know to do that with things that feel so very precious to so many of us but you've had to do that a lot so when you approach something i mean i could go down the list of all the stuff so if you know i'm trying to think of when the first you know like you're you're <laughs> you punish your max with steve dylan for god's sakes you know, when you're approaching something like that, and you were a younger writer at that point, you know, how, how did you think about approaching something like that, improving on, you know, carrying it forward? Um, you know, I mean, I think it's, that was one of those kind of challenges I think you have to be excited about as a creator, right? Like, I was such a huge fan of of what Garth Ennis had done on, on Punisher Max. Like, you know, that's still one of my favorite runs by anybody in all the time i've been reading comics right like that's the definitive punisher run Mm -hmm. so i was a huge fan huge fan of that as it was coming out as soon as i heard that garth was leaving um you know i i knew i wanted to throw my hat in the ring to follow it which on the one hand is crazy right like that's the why would you ever want to do that because you're following a legend and i knew i'm not garth i don't tell stories in the same way as Garth. I can't do what he has done. If I'm going to do something, it's going to have to be different. So on the one hand, it feels like, um, you know, like you don't want to follow a run like that. But on the other hand, I think you have to be excited to to do that. And, you, you know, that run was important to me. That character had become really important to me. And, and, uh, and, and I felt like I had something I could say and something I could add to that. So I think those are the kind of challenges that have to get you excited. I don't think you can be kind of cowed and uh, worried about living up to what's come before. I mean, I think if that's the way you are, you could say that about any, mm-hmm. any company owned character, you know, at, at Marvel or DC, right? Like every one of them's got their definitive run somewhere along the way. Um, so I think you always have to take everything you can from what's been done before and try to, you know, be excited to bring something of your yourself to the mix. And, and then from there, who knows, like, you know, sometimes you'll add something to it and, and, you know, some people dig it, some people don't. Other times you'll be, um, you know, looked at as like, you've, you've done something that'll be remembered forever. Like you never know how people are going to respond. Um, but to me, it's just about that that excitement that um you know wanting to step up to bat after following a lineup full of legends right what's really interesting so for a lot of people you'll read you know a a sort of a great run and you know what you're reading a great run if you're sort of really into comics and so like during that time you're reading it and and you know 
I, part of you is thinking, here's what I would do from here. This is where I would go. And, and sort of having the, I mean, you were, you were, you were in the building. It's not, it's not like you were new at it, but you know, to have the huts, but it'd be like, I want to take it from here. And I'd like to keep Steve down. <laughs> I actually know because it was Goran. Uh, anyway, he did. Right. Yeah. Steve hadn't done any of right. the Punisher. He did the, the Marvel Knights Goran. Punisher. Right. That was it. That's what I was thinking. Yep. Of. But, but still, I mean, e- even so, I mean, there, there's, there's a confidence to that. And, and you said you got excited about it. And, and I think that like, what comes, what comes, do you like, do you get excited about a thing and then approach it that way? Or do you have to sort of psych yourself up for it? Or, or does the story sort of hit you and then, then you sort of feel like you know what you're doing or you're like jumping out of net? Like, how does it work for you? Right. I don't, I mean, I think it's been, it's been, you know, any one of those mm-hmm. at different times over the course of my career, like they're all kind of different um i mean i i kind of quickly figured out in my time breaking into comics that it was not it was not wise just to like chase after characters mm-hmm. it was more important just like you know who are the editors what are the, the the real world relationships like as opposed to the the fictional ones so i kind of focused on that part and then just sort of went with what felt right in the moment what kind of came along you know i mean there was you can look at my career and see all the jobs I said yes to. There were plenty of them along the way that I'd said no to. And still, you know, great jobs, great characters that I would have loved to have write, but it just wasn't, it didn't feel right in the moment and timing wasn't right or whatever. Something just didn't, didn't feel, didn't click for me. So I've always just kind of gone, I've never had like a master plan of like, all right, well, I'm going to write, you know, ghostwriter for this many years and then I'll move up to the X-Men and then I'll move on to the the Avengers and then I'll jump to DC. Like I've never looked at it like a, here's my 10 year plan. Um, it's just kind of going with, with, with what feels right as, as I go along. And I think, you know, I think anybody, every creator I know, when you break into comics, you, you always have that feeling of like, at some point they're going to realize I'm not supposed to be in this party, right? Like I was never, I'm not invited to this party. Do you know anyone who doesn't have imposter syndrome? No, I don't. I mean, (laughs) if, and if, if they don't, I would wonder like what's going on with this dude, you know, like I don't, I don't trust him. Why, you know, maybe it's, maybe their work is terrible just because they don't have that, that feeling. Mm -hmm. The most successful people I know in comics all have that feeling like, Mm -hmm this is all going to evaporate at some point, you know, I'm going to get a call of like, you, you know, you were never supposed to do this. You can't do this anymore. So I think you, you, you always kind of have that a little bit of that feeling. And I think for me at Marvel, it, you know, it took me a, took me a while before I was able to sort of develop. I mean, I think you always have to write with confidence, even if you don't feel very confident. Yeah, sure. I think, I mean, Brian Azzarello told me that when I was pitching scalped of, he, you know, when when he was pitching hundred bullets and Karen Berger asked him, um, like, so you can wrap this all up and you know, if if you only get twenty issues, you can wrap this up, right? And he lied and was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you kind of always you go into it with the idea of like, I'm gonna get as many issues as I need to tell this story, right? Even when the chances seem slim. Like I I did that with Scalped, you know, and, and it worked out. So I it still took me a while at Marvel before I think with Thor was the first time I felt like, okay, I've been here for a while and I feel like if I just do a good job, I can be on this book until I'm done, you know? 
Um, uh, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a meandering answer to your question. No, but. it's it's great. Like I'm, tr- I'm actually like you said, Thor. I'm sort of looking at the sort of runs that came before it. If there was, was that the? I mean, Scalp wasn't a very long run. Was there a long Marvel run prior to that? Not as Not, long as Thor. Um, no, I mean, I mean, I wrote Wolverine stuff for mm-hmm. the like six, seven years, but it was across a lot of different books. I guess the same way my Thor run yeah. was. Um, it's how it is now. Right. I mean, I did, you know, I was somehow able to do a lot of issues of Avengers over the course of one book, but um, I think that's the only time I've done that at any point in my career. How long, were you, how long were you sort of doing it professionally um, when you, you sort of felt comfortable turning down a thing and saying, that's ah, not for me right now? I mean, you, that's that's hard. That's a pivotal yeah. moment in your career. Um, you, you know, I can't remember the first thing. I definitely turned down Robin at one point at DC mm-hmm. years ago. Before I, I think before I'd even really started doing much at Marvel, or maybe I was just starting to do stuff at Marvel, but wasn't exclusive yet. So maybe that was the first. Why didn't you want to do that? I, I just didn't, it didn't, again, it didn't feel right. Like I had no idea what the hell do I do with Robin? Like mm-hmm. I didn't have a story. I didn't have an in. I didn't have a, a a connection at the time. Maybe I could have sat down and figured it out, but I just didn't, it wasn't clicking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, when I talk to young creators, you know, they like you, it's kind of, you'd sort of see it, um, a creator comes in and, and gets hot and suddenly they're getting everything in the world offered to them. And you feel, they still feel like, man, if I say no to this, this is the only time it's ever going to be offered to me. Right. Like I, I love this character. And if I, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. And mm-hmm. you just at some point have to stop and realize like, look, these characters have been here a long time. Like the most important thing is you put yourself in situations where you can do good work. If you just keep doing good work, the phone will keep ringing, you know, and that, that character, that book's not going anywhere. Like it'll still be there. You just, you, you, you know, I mean, I think every writer I know in comics has had times where you just, maybe writing too much stuff, you know, and that's, that's never good. It's hard to do your best work when you just got too many, too many pots on the stove. Mm-hmm. Was there ever, is there ever like a situation where you had a story you've had for a character and you, you sort of put it on hold cause it like you wanted to wait until you, you know, we're better at it or, or just a, a better time. Or he's like, I'm going to hold on to this one for a while. Cause I think I can do it better later. Not, I mean, not, not exactly. I don't, I think that's always a dangerous attitude to take because mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, like you needed to be doing your best. Stuff. There's, there's no holding the best stuff for later yeah. necessarily, because if you're not doing your best stuff now, that later might not come. Right. Like the mm-hmm. important thing is always to be doing your, best work you can do in that moment if this idea or story doesn't fit for what you're doing at the time then you can't just force something in Mm -hmm. so i've done that um you know or just where you know i'm supposed to do this book and then it doesn't work out and i'm doing this other book and so i save that story for something late you know like the 
I did Wolverine Goes to Hell, which was originally um, a Hellblazer idea, where like, you know, John Constantine's soul gets um, sent to hell, and a demon's running around in his body on Earth, and didn't. You know, I did a couple issues of Hellblazer and was maybe going to do more and then signed a Marvel exclusive. So I ended up, you know, kind of dusting that idea off and using it in, in Wolverine. So, um, this, you know, and, and stories, I mean, in terms of creator on stuff, there's stuff that's rumbled around in my head for, you know, for years and years before you kind of figure it out and find the, you know, the right co-creator and the right circumstance to, to bring it to life. So for you, say that you have a, a creator-owned idea in your head, something that pops in, you, you, you let it rumble around, you sort of, you know, how actively do you end up developing those? And sort of when do you get the sense, like, now is the time to sort of take this forward? And, like, where do you go from there? Well, I think that's a big question. I think that's a hard question to answer. I think um, there's a lot that goes into that. You know, I mean, it's, that's, that's a, a, a question that's driven, their answer is driven in part by the creative part of things of like, when is this story, when is it baked long enough? When is it fully formed enough to kind of put it together and bring it out into the world? When does it feel, you know, when's it like pressing on my brain? Mm-hmm. When's it like, it's, you know, it, it like now's the time to, you know, you know, strike while the iron is hot. Like this thing wants to be written now, so I need to run with. It. But the other part of it with creator-owned s- stuff is you're talking about business decisions too. It's not a purely, um, you know, a creative decision. And that each creator-owned book you do is like starting a new small business. You know, so a big part of that is where are you doing it, who are you doing it with. And those those aren't simple questions to answer. Like I've my you know, it's for me it's never been about like, well, I have this idea that I want to do and just find anybody who I can do it with, you know, or it's a much more selective process and that you are going into business together. So it's like who's the right person, the right fit um to do this book with. And then maybe they're maybe they're busy, maybe they're tied up for a year and a half. So are you going to wait? Are you going to start over and find somebody else? Um, once you do start working on it with creator-owned stuff, like where are you doing it at? If you're doing it at Image, are you getting advances so you can get these people paid as they're working on it? Like how long is it going to take schedule-wise? Like all that kind of stuff kind of goes into it. That's very different if you're just hopping on, you know, to write some issues of Fantastic Four at Marvel, right? Where um, there's a whole office building full of people to figure out all that other shit that you don't have to worry about. You just got to turn your scripts in on time. Um, so yeah, I mean, it depends. It kind of, um, we'll just say that like, know, that's like, why it takes years sometimes yeah. to like bring the creator own book to life. Sorry. No, I, I'm I, like, so you're walking around, you see something, it may causes something to sort of get an idea in your head. Do you do you write that? Like, are you the kind of person who writes that down immediately, and then and then sort of keep coming back to it? Like, there's a, there's got to be a certain point. Like, when do you sort of apl- like go from the subconscious to consciously trying to sort of produce the story, or is right. there a process you have for that? Yeah, I mean, th- I guess to me, like over the course of the last 
you know, 15 years at this point. At some point, because I'm writing so many, I'm already actively writing so many things, I think a lot of my brain is focused on that. Mm -hmm. You know, like you need, you need a lot of brain space for all that stuff to kind of percolate and simmer. And so there's not always, I find there's not always much of like, hey, this idea for a brand new thing just suddenly popped out of the blue, right? <clears throat> it's like it doesn't have space to make it into the party because there's all this other stuff that's already taken up the, you know, the Absolutely understand that. <laughs> so sometimes it's a matter of me saying, um, you know what, I should figure out a new creator on idea. So either start from scratch or I'll, or, you know, pull out something from the past that's been you know, popped up years ago, or I I started to formulate years ago, and then dust it off. So, it, I feel like a lot of the greater on stuff kind of, you know, um, you build it out of necessity. Like, okay, like if I want to do a new creator on book, what should that be? Well, I'd like to do one in this genre. So, what are the pieces I want to use to kind of assemble that? So, yeah, certainly things do pop out of the blue. Ideas pop out of the blue. And I, you know, I always will write it down somewhere. I mean, I'm not, I've never been one of those guys who's organized enough to like have one notebook I carry around with me at all times. Um, so I've got stuff written down in different notebooks and in my phone mm -hmm. and in files on my computer. So there's stuff jotted down everywhere, um, whether it's, um, you know, story ideas, character names, lines of dialogue, titles, all that kind of stuff that I'll wind up, you know, pulling off and using years down the line. Do you remember that it all exists? Or I would have a, I know myself, I have, would have a really hard time. Like, I'll write it down and then walk away. I'll never think about it again. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes I'll read over stuff and be like, oh, I don't remember that. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think I've always kind of had a mind for that. I've, I've never been, I feel like I'm an organized person. I'm just not a, um, like if you'd go into my room as a kid or now, like there's a lot of shit in there. Right. But I kind of know where uh, everything's yeah. at, you know, like I'd always, when I was a kid playing with my toys, I'd always know where I left He-Man and Skeletor. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I understand exactly um, what you're saying. <laughs> right. My, my brothers used to, they loved they like I had a shitload of GI Joes like GI Joe is probably my favorite and they'd like dump they would take all my GI Joes and like take one out and then dump them on the floor and I'd see how long it took me to look through them and be like oh yeah you know stalkers missing or whoever um, so I feel like for whatever I've been able to kind of remember the relevant things from random thoughts I've jotted down over the years of like, Oh yeah. What about that one thing that I had that one time? I should, I should dig that out. The worst part is when you know that there's a thing somewhere and then you can't fucking find it. <laughs> That's the word or feel like I know, you know, sometimes if I'm lying in bed, there's always that kind of, you know, just as you're starting to drift off to sleep and your mind kind of just wandering around and, and shit like this scene, that I've been working on all day that I couldn't figure out. Now it's suddenly the lines of dialogue are flowing and I'll, you know, if I, I know if I don't write them down, I'll, I'll lose them or just a beat or something. And when I feel like I know 
I know that. Didn't I didn't I write that down like two weeks ago? And where the fuck did I put it? You know, like it's not in my phone notes. It's not is it on this scratch pad or that scratch pad? So and I'm pretty much always right. Like I I did write it down somewhere and then usually I'll eventually I'll find it because there's only so many places it, you know I could have put it. Do you tend to be I mean, do you, do you tend to create and, and, and sort of work on stuff because you have a reason to, or you have a deadline or you have a thing to move forward? Like you said, you know, if you, it's a creator on time, there's a, there's a time for it. There's a need to do it rather than sort of just having a lot of stuff to draw on. I, and I say that from the perspective is that I, I always do better. Like with a deadline, you have to create a thing. So you have to write it down and start from there is sort of how it works for me. But I mean, it, you know, it's, my my schedule has kind of changed, especially over the last year, as I, um, you know, my Marvel exclusive ended, and I I stopped doing um, ongoing books. So this last year has been a huge change in that I one I kind of worked a little less, like I enjoyed sort of taking a break a little bit. As felt especially after doing so many ongoing books over the course of the last few years, I was just a little worn out by that. I hadn't traveled in in years, so I'm like, I'm going to write a little bit less and just, you know, go to more shows. So, well, you know, went to more European shows and just enjoyed um, recharging my batteries a little bit that way. And then the other part is that I would once I was not exclusive for the first time in years, suddenly the I could answer kind of any call or email that came my way, where it's like, sure, I'll do, you know, a couple issues of that or. Um, the story so suddenly i'm writing a lot of different smaller projects kind of you know all over the map so it, it definitely has changed um just the the way i work i guess the way my schedule is also like suddenly you know i've gone to like not being exclusive means i got to write a lot of pitches too which i when i was just writing ongoing books for marvel I didn't really have to do right. It'd be like, "Hey, do you want to write this or that?" And I'd be like, "Sure," and then f- figure it out. Now I'm having to like pitch for things, and um, so all that's kind of just changed my week to week um workload. I guess was that the question? What was your, what was yeah, your question? sort of? But I mean, it's it, well, it, it's interesting. Is that I mean, so based on that change where like previously, you know, you had to do this book, it was due this week, is this one, you know, the other week you had a pretty regular um, sort of flow of work and, and you've had to change that completely around. Was that, I mean, like you said, it's recharging and refreshing or whatever, but that sounds really difficult to sort of switch gears and, and slow down. Right. It's definitely been a change, you know, it was like a change I was excited for and wanted, but it's... um you know, it's been a big, it's been a lot of adjustments just in kind of my personal life and work life that I've had to roll with through all that. So some of them I expected and some of them were surprising. Um, but ultimately, I think it's all been good to just kind of um, excite me about doing a lot of new stuff. You know, like I'm, I mean, almost everything I'm working on at the moment is something new. Mm-hmm. right like character i've never written before company i've never worked for before new creator on stuff like it's just a lot of new 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 so i think um you know like i'm saying there's challenges and even just working with a, a company for the first time there's figuring out the 
contract stuff, you know, from from scratch. So it's just a lot more layers of things to navigate that I'd been, you know, again, it's like a regular freelance stuff. I'd just been um, spoiled and I didn't mm-hmm. have to deal with that for so long when you're exclusive. But I mean, the work stuff, it's still, I mean, at this point now, it's still just kind of like it's always been for me where every week I'm sitting down to ideally to start a new script, you know, sometimes ones might take a little bit longer, but usually I'm doing a a script a week of this or that and, and jumping around from, from one project, you know, to another. Um, And that, and some of that, you know, will continue to change um, as I go forward next year, as I'm, you know, looking at kind of doing a couple of longer runs on things. Um, so previously you're exclusive, you've got ongoing books going, like, what did you, how did you like structure your, your work life? Like, like, did you work from these times during the day? Was there always something going on? No, I mean, I, I can't say I'm like a rigidly structured guy in that way. You know, I mean, I think having young kids helped with that and that mm-hmm. I'd, um, you know, have to, in the early days, like was stay at home dad and help the help my kid get up in the morning and get off to school and know he's coming home at a certain time of day. And, you know, it, it means you're not going to keep like heroin addict hours, right? <laughs> like some other creators I know don't have kids where you call it any of the time of the day or night. You don't know if they're going to be just waking up or just going to sleep or whatever. Like I, I get it. Like I, it's, it's, it's refreshing sometimes to be able to just fall down a work hole. I mean, I'd still, I'll do that sometimes. Now my my son's eighteen, so it's not like a, you know, requiring my constant care and supervision. So I can fall down a work hole, you know, and um, if he's not here, I like I don't speak to anybody over the course of a whole day. I'm just <laughs> lo- lost in work. So I, it's good to be able to do that sometimes. But so I, I think my schedule's kind of always been all over the map. I'm definitely not a morning person. I hate waking up early. I think I my brain functions a lot better. Um, at night than it does early in the morning, but um, I mean, I, I don't. It, it depends. Like it's, I'm just every day. I'm trying to get up and do some kind of work, um, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to be sitting down hammering out, you know, ten pages of dialogue. It kind of um, each day I'm kind of doing different things, and some maybe one day I can sit down and write almost a whole script in that day. Other other times, you know, it'll take me take me days to figure out one scene um but you just kind of gotta always be working in some regard and there's you know there's lettering drafts and corrections and and interviews and uh, research for all the right (laughs) podcasts so many podcasts um you know just all that kind of stuff that's still part of the job so i've never been like we you know well like 10 to three are my writing hours and Mm -hmm. I just shut everything else off. I don't really function that way. Some of it is I like, you got to kind of do the, to me, like the, when I, when I sit down to actually write, like write this scene, write this script, write this dialogue, I've kind of done most of the other work, Mm -hmm. like the heavy lifting to sort of get to that point. That that's like the easy part or the fun part. Um, it's like all the kind of work you you got to do to get to that point of figuring out the the beats of the story and everything. And sometimes that might mean I go for a walk, you mm-hmm. know, 
or doing things that don't look like that they are me being productive at my job, but actually are because I'm, it's all the, the shit that's rumbling around in, in my head. Do you tend to work on stories in that same way? Like you start with, you know, like you have a premise and then you've got to sort of beat it out and figure out what the acts are and whatever. Like, does that generally work the same for you? I, you know, I think so. I mean, some of it, I mean, it depends on kind of what, I guess what my relationship, what my connection is with that character. Do I know who this character is or what, what I like, who is this character to me? What is important to me to, to have in this story to show. And that's where it starts um, for you most of the time with the, the work for hire stuff is the character. I think so. I mean, if it's someone I, you know, if it's a character I've never written before that I don't quite understand. I mean, I think with, you know, like when I got the, the Thor job, wasn't a huge Thor fan before that mm-hmm. moment. I hadn't read a ton of Thor, read the the Walt Simonson stuff, most of it, like when it was coming out when I was a kid. And then I'd really liked um, Matt Fraction's Ages of Thunder one shots that he did kind of, you know, before he, he took over the book. Those those really struck a chord with me. Where in the, And so I think I kind of had a, a germ of an idea of just how do I see this character and what clicks for me about this character. And then had to do the work to kind of read a bunch of Thor comics and figure out the pieces of and figure out what my story was. So I sometimes I come into it, you know, like there's some characters I'm writing now that I well, like when I did Conan, you know, like I I grew up reading all those Conan stories, loved them, like I'd kind of definitely had a clear picture in my mind of this is who this character is and these are the parts of it I think are important. And this is what needs to be in the story, and it's what it's ultimately about. So some of it you kind of come into it with that. Other times you just got to build that and put it together. Um, but yeah, I think it's to me it always starts. I'm, I think I'm more a character guy than necessarily like, well, here's my you know big idea. Um, I think it hmm. starts with like, who is this person? What is my connection to to them? You know, like, do I? If I don't have one, I need to figure it out and just like what what is this story really about? You know, I think the the stories I've done that I think have come together in the most fulfilling way are ones where I went into it like with a real clarity of vision of this is what this is, right? Not mm-hmm. just this is who he fights in issue three and this is how it goes and but just like what is this really about you know and and once you know that then it all starts to fit together you know like what the tone of it is what the aesthetic like what the everything when just when you have that clarity of vision of like this is what i ultimately at the at the kernel of it at the you know the core of it this is what this story is and that may even be in a way that you know you don't communicate directly that people maybe maybe get that maybe don't from from the story that you write but i still think for me as the creator that helps everything like that clarity guides everything going forward um do you have that conversation like just on your own in your head or is that something that you know like you talk with editors about or if you're i mean if it's creator i'm assuming you're having that conversation with the artist you're working with but is yeah, it largely I mean, I think sort of in your own in your own mind where you're going with that? Your guiding star. 
yeah, I think it all it all starts as a conversation I'm having in my own head because I'm I'm not like I know a lot of other writers who are big on talking stuff out with with you know their friends with other creators and mm-hmm. I've never never really done that. I mean, I think I'm more um that's just the way not the way my process has has worked. You know, I mean, I've I've enjoyed times I've gone to Marvel retreats and that sort of thing where you do figure those figure stories out in a room but um that's not really the way i do my stuff it's a very like isolated insular process and i'm because it's all it's you know it's it's just me trying to figure out the best version of the story that i want to read that's the only way i know how to do it and then um and then yeah then then that so usually by the time i'm walking into having a conversation about this book or the story with an editor or the artist or whoever, I need to already have that clarity in my head, right? Of like, this is, this is, you know, I, I know kind of what pieces went into this. This is what influenced this. This is what it looks like. Um, you know, I want to always have an, already have an idea of that before I'm talking to anybody about it. What, uh, what would you say is, still sort of the most challenging part of sort of putting together a story and second part of that is like how is that different than when you you know the first couple of years you were working like is it is it it sort of the same stuff is it different things that sort of you didn't know about earlier i mean i think the the challenge is just to keep doing it right you know like to keep like well that was great yesterday was great that one turned out great now today we're starting from scratch all over again, you know, maybe with something where what you did in the past has absolutely no bearing on whatever you're doing now. So I think just continuing to do it, like to stay invested and refreshed and excited and not get, you know, burnt out, not get um, caught up in just the business part of mm-hmm. things that I, I, I mean, I, think rightly or wrongly for me, I think creative kind of always guides a lot of my decisions. So I think just still, still feeling invested and capable of that part of just doing it again and again and again. And, um, you know, part of me looks at, um, some creators who you create the one big thing and then you just kind of do that thing forever. Right. And I, I feel like, man, that, that that's got to be kind of nice because you don't really have to come up with any new <laughs> things. Um, but part of me also feels like, well, I don't think I'd want to do that. You know, like I think, I think the way I take in media and stories, like I, I'm always kind of looking for new and different stuff. I don't just read, you know, the same, the same genre, the same sort of stuff over and over and over again. If you look at my comic book pull list, it's like a, stuff's all over the map, right? Like not necessarily things that like, I don't write books like, like this one or that one, but I enjoy reading them. So I, I think I'm always going to be like that where I, I enjoy the challenge of doing new and and different things, but it does, it does get, you know, more challenging just like, you know, with a band, sometimes you mm-hmm. like, man, you, you, you're on your fourth album and you run out of good songs, right? Like you put all your passion and your, the, everything that was important to you from your formative years, you put into those first three albums. And now it's like, well, what do I have to say now? 
Um, so I think continuing to figure that out I to mean, me is the, is the hardest part. As you're sort of getting into, you know, you know, nearing the end of sort of the second day decade of making comics professionally, the idea of having something new to say that keeps you excited, not to mention readers, uh, is is probably pretty tricky. Um, and you, you know, as, as you're talking about it, is that I, I can sort of look at your your work history, and I, you know, there's a lot of different types of comics in there, and I don't think that I think of oh, this is a Jason Aaron comic, but I think when I read them, I can see you in it. And I, that's, that's, I think that's a good way to be. Because some people, like, oh, they do this type of comic, but you really are kind of all over the map, although some of it is some very dark shit. <laughs> right. Well, thanks. I, I, I don't think I ever, again, I don't think that was ever a conscious decision for me. Like, I never sat and mapped out, like, okay, I'm going to do some dark stuff for a while, then I'm going to do something zany and ridiculous, and then... You know, like there was never a plan. I think that's just kind of the way I'm wired, and that's what I'm attracted to. And I, I I just got all that different kind of stuff in me that I want to do. So, I I mean, I I like I I I like exactly what how you describe that, and I'm kind of proud of that. Of feeling like I have done a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes if I see someone complain about, well. You know, he always does this or always does that. I'm like, clearly you haven't read that much of my work. Like maybe maybe these two things are like that, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of them that haven't been. So I think that that hopefully, you know, helps me out in the long run and then I continue to be able to do um, new and different stuff. You know, I think something like I'm doing Once Upon a Time at the End of the World right now at Boom, which um, to me feels like, completely different than really anything I've done before in a lot of different ways. It's, you know, even, even within that one book, it's kind of different, very, three very different stories. And each arc is a, is a, is a different period in the lives of these characters and drawn by different art teams. So that's been a completely new challenge, which has been really exciting. Um, So I want to keep doing that. And again, you know, um, switching and getting to write DC f- stuff for the first time. So it's like a little bit like starting over. Writing Superman for the first time, I felt like I was a kid, you know, sitting down to write my first comic. Like I was nervous. <laughs> um, so I think those things are good, you know? Like I, the, it, it, I mean, I, I do feel like just this this year I've kind of entered a different, stage of my career where kind of my goals are different. What I'm interested in is different. The stuff I'm doing feels different. Um, and that's great. And that, and at some point I'm sure that will turn again and I'll, there'll be, you you know, a a third stage that I'll enter. But for now it feels like I'm kind of just getting started on this one and there's still a, a lot of new stuff to get to. So when you were younger and sort of newer to the industry, did you have an idea about how you wanted your career to be and did it end up like that or is something different? Accepting it's not over. I'm not, that's not right. No, I don't think I had any idea other than just, I want to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, if you'd asked me when I was a kid, I would have told you I wanted to write for DC, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was reading Batman and blue devil. 
I'll be like, yeah, give me a Blue Devil book and I'll, I'll be happy. Let me write Teen Titans. So I don't even, when I was break, breaking in, you know, like I said, I think I figured out quickly, like the, the relationships and the editors are the important part of that. Mm-hmm. So um, beyond, beyond that, no, I can't say I've ever really had a plan. I, and I feel like um, to me, it's it, like I said before, it's been important that the, I, I try to keep the creative part of it at the foremost and do, you know, I didn't decide to do Thor because, well, it was a big book or it seemed like the right move career-wise. It was because Thor sparked in my brain and I wanted to tell a, a story with that character. And I feel like that needs to be the guiding principle. Sometimes I hear creators talk about, well, I've been working on this book for Marvel for a while and now... I need to move on to something that's, you know, like a, a, a elevated from that. And I mm-hmm. don't, I'd, I'd like, I get it. I get you want to feel like you're, you know, you're just worried about your place and the company and you want to feel like you're, you're building and you're, you're, you're getting bigger stuff. But I think it's, to me, it's always most important of just, just do your best shit. Like put yourself in the position to do your best work and make your decisions based on that. And, and that's that's kind of the only directive I've had. I've never looked at it as like how do I build, you know? Um, and 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 maybe maybe the times I should think more of those things, but I'm I'm just not wired that way. Um, like I and I, I I still feel like if you just do good shit, you know, like that's the important part. Um, I when I was a, when I was say a kid, but I was in college and I went to, I've talked about this before because it's such an important moment for me, but I went to a writer's conference in Birmingham, Birmingham Southern University, and Ray Bradbury was there. I got to meet Ray Bradbury and hear him talk, which was amazing. But I remember going into it and the, you know, they had different panels and stuff. And one of them, people were talking about how do you get an agent? And I was kind of dismayed of like, it seemed like a room full of people and so many of them were convinced they had written the next great American novel, right? Like I've got it. It's done. It's right here. I just need to know how do I get an agent? How do I get a book deal? How do I sell it? And to me, I felt like looking around that room, like chances are probably none of you have written the great American novel, Mm -hmm. right? Like odds are. And I felt like I know I am certainly not capable of doing that. I just want to know how do I get better at that part of it? And I never, I, I thought if I just get good enough, you can figure out the other shit, right? People figure out how to break into an industry all the time in all different ways. So, so every, every writer I know in comics has a different story of how they broke into comics, but all of them did the work to just get good enough to when when that opportunity does come along or when you make it come along that you are ready to step up the, to the bat and show this person something worth their time and attention and so i just focused on that for a long time which mostly means just writing a lot of really bad stuff that you hope no one ever reads um and just being obsessed with the writing part of it and not the the, the business machination part of it. Um, and I think that's continued to be, rightly or wrongly, continued to be my guiding principle of I just want to go go where I can do good work, work that I feel good about, that I have that sort of clarity 
about. I think I can, I'm just saying it that way. I think I can see that. And I think it works really well in terms of, I know what to sort of expect when I see your name on a book, meaning that, you know, you, you, you're going to write a good story. You're going to put your thing into it. And I don't tend to, I don't follow sales charts. I don't know what's popular. You know, I know that it's a bigger deal to be on Avengers than it is to be on a Daredevil miniseries, but um, I think you're lucky to a certain extent. I mean, you have the talent and everything, but there, you know, there's certain factors that allow you to do that. And you've been able to do that for a long time. It's kind of a platonic ideal of <laughs> how you'd want to be a creator uh, in a way. Right. I mean, I think luck is involved in some sense, but I think you also, you know, you make your own luck, right? How you prepare for that moment when it, when it comes along. Let's say opportunity. That, there, there was the, you right. know, the opportunity was there and you sort of take it, the, um, the forces you can't control, I guess. And it's, it's, it's sort of worked out that way. Um, and you were there to sort of do the right thing and follow up with it and really keep story forefront. And I think that that is right. that's definitely the, the strength I guess. Yeah. That. I mean, I, I think the things you can control are exceedingly important. That's <laughs> yeah. the creative part of it. What am I putting into this work and the, the personal part of it, the relationship part of it, how you, how you treat people in real life, mm-hmm. how you, how you work with editors, how you work with other creators, things you say in interviews, things you say, you know, th- the way you act at convention, all those, all the, the real tangible real life, part of things are the things that are most important, you know, can some people succeed despite, you know, being bad at one or the other, maybe sometimes, but <laughs> um, I still feel like if you put those things first and foremost, um, you can navigate the other part. And, and some people are also just way better at the business part of it. Um, I just don't, I, you know, it's that this, that to me feels like work. Writing, <laughs> writing comics never feels like work. Really? No. I mean, I would. I mean, literally, I'm like the cliche of like, well, I'd be doing this for free even if I wasn't mm-hmm. getting paid for it because I did. Like, I, I, I wrote. I've been writing stuff my entire life. You know, like I, I kind of need to do it. Like mm-hmm. it makes me happy. Um, I think you're very I, lucky to have that. In in a way, that's sort of that that being the driving force of things and keeping you going. I think um, that's always been a challenge for me to a certain extent. Um, so you have that sort of thing to keep you going. Um, that's luck in a way. <laughs> yeah, or just you know fucked up wiring in my brain. I yeah, don't know. Like I've never, I've certainly never been one of the writers who, where it's like a labor, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. where I'm pushing a boulder up a hill, and when that's it's amazing. done, I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I hope I don't have to do that again anytime soon. Like I, I enjoy it, you know. Mm-hmm. When I, I I fucked up my back a few years ago and was kind of high on pain meds and didn't couldn't write anything for a month, and mm-hmm. I just felt felt broken, you know, like mm-hmm. that. More so than even just my back not working. Like that was somehow worse and more painful of just not being able to write. It's like I was, there was a, just a, a fundamental piece of me that was not functioning properly just because um, that's always been an, a, a thing that keeps me, you know, uh, gives me joy, it keeps me um, happy. And despite 
despite whatever else has been going on around me, right, which mm-hmm. has been definitely put to the test over the course of the last few years, that that keeps me centered and focused. And um, it's been a constant, I mean, literally through my almost most of my conscious life, mm-hmm. right? Like that creative pursuit has been a guiding principle. And I, I, I know not every creator is wired the same, but to me, that's been a, a, you know, an important part of my entire career is being guided by that. So as we sort of start to get to the end of, uh, of our time, I would, I'm interested because I was looking at the sort of dates. Are everything. we dying? Like what? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know why I phrased it that way. It didn't like everything I thought of. Is there a surprise ending? No, the, there isn't. Uh, just, did the test results come back? I have to think. Well, that's just what I have to tell you. No. Uh, <laughs> so I was sort of looking at the dates of everything, and then your it's an apocryphal story. You 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 won the the sort of Marvel talent contest with the Wolverine story, and then I sort of didn't realize how much time had passed between then. And and sort of getting the other side out and going. And so if you're talking about sort of improving the craft and improving your writing, over that time, how were you getting better? And how did you know you were getting better? Because were you getting feedback from people? Like, it, it's one thing you can sort of develop your craft on your own. But if you're a, a young creator, you're not necessarily being published. How can you know what's working? How do you know you're getting better? Um. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, there were, there were five years between when my talent search contest story came out and when the other side, number one, came out. Um, so a lot of it in that time was, you know, the, the talent search thing had gotten my foot in the door for the first time. So kind of, you know, I was, editors would reply to my emails. <laughs> so I was, there was a lot of me writing pitches for different things. This was kind of the the period before I, sort of had the realization that I should focus on specific editors and specific relationships. And so Mm -hmm. I was doing that thing everybody does where you just, oh, you're looking for a story for this character? Okay, here you go. So I was chasing any lead in any possible job I could, which none of it ever yielded anything. Mm -hmm. Like got no single job from any of that. But as part of that, the the one job I did get was, um, you know, Marvel announced Bill Jemis had the idea to do a relaunch of um, of Epic Comics. Um, dis- despite all his, you know, r- like I never met Jill- Bill Jemis. Despite all the stories about how wild and crazy he was, he 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 did in a roundabout way help give me my entire career, and that he was responsible for that Marvel Talent Search contest, and then. He decided to do this imagery launch where they would take pitches for reimagined version of Marvel characters. So as part of that, um, I you had to turn in the first issue script. So I wrote a script for a relaunch of the Nom, <laughs> which was what would ultimately become the other side. And so part of it, I that was the that was the first you know full twenty two page comic script I'd ever written. Um, you know, before that, I had just written that ten-page Wolverine story. So, first one I'd ever written, definitely the hardest I have ever worked on any one script. You know, mm-hmm. you talk about, like I said, clarity, having clarity of vision for a project. I had profound clarity of vision for that mm-hmm. one because I had spent so much time and energy and brain power 
figuring that out. But you know, part of it is is inspired by my cousin who is a Vietnam vet and novelist Gus Hasford. Um, so I'd spent kind of years sort of researching his life, and so there was a lot of work I was already doing before I had the idea to do this story. And then I did tremendous work researching stuff. Um, I mean, by the time the book, you know, got approved at, at Vertigo, I had this huge like cache of reference images and and not just stuff related to the Vietnam War, but you know, there were a lot of different literary references and involved in the in the story so i had to, like a ridiculous it's not like i'd written like an alan moore level script mm-hmm. necessarily in terms of panel descriptions but just all the stuff that went with it um but it was there in the background <laughs> right there were a lot of links and like you know reference files attached um so some of it what i was doing and during that period was putting a ridiculous amount of energy into that one thing which ultimately paid off. I mean, it took took a while, and that um, I got a I got a rejection letter back from Epic. They there's somebody somebody had written a note on it. It was just like a you know form letter, but somebody had written a note telling me that I was on the maybe pile for a while, which was a nice <laughs> when when you're in that period where you're looking yeah. kind of for any sort of positive sign. That that was a big one. So I I should look up and see who wrote that. Um, so then I kind of pitched pitched the other side around here and there and talked to a lot of different people and was trying to figure out how to how to make it work. And one of the people I sent it to was Will Dennis at Vertigo. And, you know, he turned me down a couple of times, but then he read the script um, that I had spent so so many hours working working on and the book got green lit. So um some of it just that kind of fanatical devotion to telling this one story, which I think is an important part of yeah. breaking in of just, again, that clarity of vision. I see what this is. I feel like this is an interesting story. If I saw this on the shelf, I would read it. I would pick it up and pay money to read it. Um, and and I feel like it's different than what's out there, right? It's not just another version of 20 other books, but there's not a book like this. I think all those things were important pieces to me kind of breaking in for the second time, you know, like I, Hmm. that Marvel talent search contest was, was super big and super important. And I maybe wouldn't be writing comics without it, but it didn't directly lead to anything else. You know, Hmm. I've never gotten a gig just based off that. The other side a vertigo opened the door for me to do scout and those two books together were more responsible for getting me the Marvel work I did after that than the Marvel talent search contest was. So that, you know, I kind of broke in two times. So the other side still, and he, and he left out the part that he turned you down several times. It was just, I picked this off a slush pile and I ran to Karen Berger and I said, you have to do this. He's a real hero of that story. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, he, and he was like, he, I and he, I mean, he, not just that he turned me down, but he, you know, like he, he was polite to respond to my emails out of the blue in the first place. Right. And just said, basically saying like, I'm not looking for war books. Nobody reads war books, even if they're written by Garth Ennis <laughs> and nobody's ever heard of you. So like, <laughs> sure, I'll take a look at it, but I can't use it. And he, and he, so he kind of told me that two times before even really looking at it, like, yeah, to, you know, don't get your hopes up kind of thing um 
but yeah, then he then he read it and and took it to Karen and and that's opened the door for every everything I've done since. But what was that day like for you? You get that call and you're like we we're, we're gonna you know I, I mean I, I assume it wasn't like you're greenlit, but you know that right. sort of first yeah, no. positive. Um, I can't remember specifically that. I, the, for some reason, I remember vividly remember the day Will called me to tell me scalped was screen lit mm-hmm. um which would have been a you know a few months later I'd been working on the other side for a bit by that point i was standing i'd wrecked my car that week so i was standing at the bus stop mm. after work coming from my job at a, a warehouse job um so i remember that i can't remember exactly where i was when it was probably an email when he told me the other side was green lit um but yeah, you know, life-changing days. Mm-hmm. So that email comes in. You look at it. You're you're looking at your. We'll say your computers before smartphones. You know, like what do you like? Do you? <laughs> I'm old. Do you, do you yell out loud? <laughs> you're a tiny bit older than me. Like, is there a shriek? Is there like a satisfied nod? Like, what do you do when that happens? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big. I'm not a big shrieker. I'm not. Guess, I'm not shocked so by that. Probably. A, yeah, I mean, if you were standing there looking at me, maybe you couldn't tell <laughs> a, a, a difference. Like, oh, did this guy just get a free $5 coupon for the yogurt store? Like, what? <laughs> he seems mildly happy. I don't know. Or maybe I had a big, I think that's ridiculous... what I was hoping. With that one, you'd pick, you'd be like, no, man, I took my shirt off. I ran around the neighborhood. And that would be surprising. Right. You put those feelings in the stories, I suspect. <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I mean I. I feel like I am a happy, joyful person, but mm-hmm. I, you maybe wouldn't know that from my facial expressions. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure. There was, there would have been nobody. None of these moments, like when I won, you know, I got a call, I had a voicemail to call Mike Martz at Marvel, which is when I won the Marvel Talent Search contest, mm-hmm. and then whenever the other side got approved, and when scalp got approved there was no one around to witness these moments mm-hmm. i mean for the scalped one i was like standing at the bus stop on the phone when will told me and the bus pulled up and i just like waved him on i'm like <laughs> i'm <laughs> i'm gonna finish this call so the bus driver probably just saw me as like well this fucking guy like why is he standing at the bus stop he doesn't want the bus i mean that was the right move it wasn't i gotta get on this bus i'll talk to you later so right. you, you made the right, <laughs> right. call right <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this conversation free of the bus. (laughs) Free of bus noise. Um, So this is, I I ask people this a lot and I I find it interesting is that at what point you're a kid reading comics, uh, you're, you're, you're interested in stories you want to write. At what point is it that you sort of see a comic book for what it is and how it works as a as a sort of storytelling method as opposed to just cool stories about a superhero like when do you feel like you start to understand it as as a not even as an art form but as a as sort of a mechanism telling a story how how comics work um geez i don't know i think i'm still figuring that out i'm which not is, sure which is fair. Like I, um i mean i definitely remember i was really young when i just kind of figured out oh like people make this and i want to I want to do that, mm-hmm. but I had, didn't have the first fucking idea of, well, how does that, how does that work? How do you do that? Where do you go? And what does that look like? And no clue. So I, I think the, f- the, the first time I ever saw a comic script would have been 
when I bought the um I've still got it like the first hardcover edition of Watchmen mm-hmm. um <laughs> that had had like Alan Moore's probably just a script for the first issue so it's literally the first three pages but it was 40 right. pages of the book right so in my mind that's well, well that's what it looks like mm-hmm. right and the first time like in in when I was in grade school there's I went to a small school in a small town in the south and so there was like me and one other dude who were the comic nerds and my friend John and he loved to draw. So I was like, great, you know. So at some point I wrote him a script for some what I'm sure would have been a really terrible comic. And I I was I was trying to write it like that Alan Moore script, so it was super long, um, ridiculously detailed. Cause I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure, you know, did the common rookie mistakes where there's like three different things happening in one panel. I'm mm-hmm. sure it was terrible. Um, You're a kid. It's okay. Right. So I think it, <laughs> in terms of like figuring out, I mean, I think to, to me, you know, I mean, I, I have always read comics, right? Like I, from the time I started reading as a kid off the spinner rack, I've never stopped. There's, I never drifted away and came back. I've, my brain has constantly been feeding on comic book storytelling. So I think mm-hmm. some of it is that, right? Like you just have to, you, you, you um, intake that enough. It just becomes something should become instinctive about it. Right. The most mm-hmm. important part is understand how to tell a story. Yeah. And I think that, if you if you know that you can translate that into different mediums right but you have to understand the storytelling part of it so i think most of my um formative years were fit spent figuring out that part of it not necessarily how do i specifically tell comic book stories how do i write a comic i think i would learn that really while doing it yeah. you know i would learn that from you know doing that Marvel talent search story, working with Will. Um, I mean, I still didn't know what I was doing when I sat down to write Scalp Number 1, which would be, you know, the first issue of my first 60-issue-plus ongoing series. I was still figuring things out then, working with R.M. Guerra on that book. Um, so, yeah, but I think that – but I had spent years and years learning, well, how do you write? How mm-hmm. do you tell an engaging story? And I think that all paid off ultimately, even as I figured out the comic part of it. Mm-hmm. What do your scripts look like now compared to what they, is it, have they been the same for a while? Is it an ongoing, they, they adding more, leaving more out? I mean, I th- they maybe they're a little less wordy. I mean, I think like if I looked back at that other side script, I mean, I think it's more skew into the Alan Moore side of the fence still probably like still pretty dense. Um, so I think they're less dense. And I mean, it's the. I mean, they've looked. They've probably looked exactly the same now for mm-hmm. for a few years. I know. You know, I've enjoyed over the years kind of getting scripts from other writers, because mm-hmm. um, because again, like you know, growing up, I you just never. I never saw that. I don't know what the hell they look like. And then you you see once you start reading scripts from different writers, you're like, oh well, nobody knew what they were supposed to look like because everybody's doing it different. Um, and I remember, you know, reading like one of Ed Brubaker's scripts and then showing him mine. And he like, he scolded me cause like I had, everything was numbered, you know, like, well, there's the, 
page is numbered, then the panels are numbered, then every line of dialogue or caption is numbered. So there's just too many numbers, Ed said. <laughs> um, so I do less numbers now. But so, some of it, I, I think probably in the early days, I felt like, well, I can't, you know, I got to I gotta justify my pay, right? I can't just write a uh-huh. short little three-word description for they this. They fight. Right. Like, I feel <laughs> shameful doing that, but I, um, you know, you've gotten used to some of that because ultimately the, it's all a matter of, I mean, it, dep- it changes depending on who I'm working with and what mm-hmm. is my relationship with like with this person and what do they need from me, right? I mean, it's a weird job and that what I write is really only read mm-hmm. by a couple people and really only intended for one person. That's the person who's drawing it. Um so what do I need to give to them? And that, you know, that depends on what they need. So like with, when I'm working with Gara, who I've worked with, a, you know, a lot on a lot of different books, um, I don't, it, like in the early days of Scalped, I spent a lot of time choreographing this one uh, fight scene, this shootout where I was watching a bunch of Peck and Paul movies and trying <laughs> to do the most Peck and Paul of all comic book shootouts. And then Gara didn't draw any of it that way. Um, so he doesn't need for me to do that for him. Like he's better left to just doing that on his own. Did you have but to learn he, that or were you, you sort of told that or no, I just, the, yeah, I, I mean, I find nobody tells you anything. You have to learn everything as <laughs> you go. It's an introverted group. That is, I mean, I've found that about every company I have worked yeah. at. There's no like, Oh, Hey, welcome to comics. Here are the things you should know. Right. Nobody ever gives you any of that. Um, you figure it out as you go. And if you don't ask the question, you may never get the answer. Um, so yeah, I learned by doing, uh, but with Gara, with his, when I'm writing for him, I know he wants as much of the emotional content of the scene as I can put in there. Right. Mm. Like not just what are, what's happening? What are the people doing? But what are they thinking and feeling? And what are they thinking and feeling that's maybe different than what they're saying? So as much of the emotional stuff I can put in there, like that's, really like that. that's what he I've wants. That. That's cool. Um, and then other guys might be completely different, right? Like it's, um, so it just depends on kind of who you're, you're working with. And again, cause my job is to give them what they need, mm-hmm. right? Like I've, I, I start the relay with the baton and I do my part and then I hand it off to them. I'm just trying to set them up to succeed and to be able to do what they do. Um, and then we, you know, we build this thing together. Is there any kind of, I'm going to ask you one more thing and then we're, we're going to get going, but is, like, is there any kind of craftsmanship that comes from comic book artists that you really look for and, and appreciate that sort of maybe you didn't know about when you were younger. Is there just a, a bit where, you know, like storytelling techniques or, or just things that as a professional, you recognize, Oh, this is an excellent comic book artist, you know, that maybe you wouldn't have known when you were, you were younger. I, I think appreciating, um, someone who is really great at, at I would just say casting, right? Like the, the look of the character's, in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Not just you, you're great at drawing this action scene, you, you're great at drawing it, whatever. But look at the look at the faces of people in the book, and does it look like you know a well cast movie or TV show, 
does everybody kind of look the same or mm-hmm. look like they, you know, they're all cousins. Like some, <laughs> some people are just really, really good at just having this sort of wealth, being able to pull this wealth of faces and, you know, to build a world that feels like it's peopled with real people, right? Like these are real people. Um, the, that's a, that's a skill that, you know, I, I don't understand where that comes from or how you do that, but I definitely appreciate the, the artists who are really, really good at it. I could see as a guy who writes personalities like you do that that would be a thing that you'd pick up on. It's a good answer. I like that. You didn't have to think about it. That's good stuff. Yeah, well, you know, that's what I'd, I'd sit here at this desk and just make up shit every day. That's what I do. So it's all this stuff that usually uh, I'm, I'm not talking to anybody about it, but that's fine. No, I might not even really be here. You don't know. Awkward silence, right? <laughs> uh, there's all this stuff that I could ask you about with all the characters and the specifics, but this is always what happens. I like talking about the craft and the journey and all that stuff. So no, I like uh, that too. That let's good. Uh, no. maybe I'll, I'll have you come back around sometime. We can talk about how you feel about Superman. Sure, another ten years. We'll, yeah, we'll do it again. Less. <laughs> That's what I say, and then I'll look like shit. It's been ten years. Uh, <laughs> out my back. All right. So thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Josh. It's always a pleasure. And there you have another talk explode in the books. Uh, I could have kept talking for a while. I think uh, I think he might have been able to too. I might be flattering myself. I don't know that. Uh, you can find Jason's books everywhere. There's a there's a lot of Jason Aaron books out there. You, you want to read Scout? You want to check out the Thor run? You want to check out Once Upon a Time at the End of the World? Um, I, I forgot to ask him uh, when I'm going to get to the end of Southern Bastards, but that's out there too, and it's still worth reading. You can find more at JasonAaron.info, and of course, I am from MyFanboy.com, where you can find this show, and you can find 107 other Talksplode interviews that have been done mostly by me. Uh, there's one in Jason in there, but I didn't do it, so it's not me. Uh, thanks to the patrons for supporting uh, this show and the others. There's our weekly Pick of the Week podcast you can check out. I'm talking very fast. Thanks very much, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. It's nice to know you work alone. It's nice to know you work alone. It's nice to know you work alone. It's nice to know you work alone.